Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to another episode of Jamming with Jason. Hey, uh, today, you know that I like to talk to people who are positively changing the world. And that's what I have with my guest today, Jay Lickhoded. Now, you might think, you know, this guy's from compliance. What is, what's compliance doing to change the world? Well, listen to this episode, because especially if you're in some of these areas, you know, maybe sometimes you feel like what you do for your day job may not be changing the world or really helping out. But I will tell you, it is, and you're going to see more of that as we're talking today. Now, if you're not in compliance, that's fine too, because again, it's going to show you a story of someone who is positively changing the world for better, and it's going to show you maybe some things that you needed to hear today that'll help you be able to change your world. So with that, let's roll that episode. You are jamming with Jason Mefford, where you hear inspiring interviews with some amazing people. Some are famous, some may seem ordinary, and they are all doing extraordinary things to positively change the world. Sometimes it's just you and me having an intimate and authentic conversation about how you can change the world around you and rewrite the story of your life by being more authentic, accepting and loving yourself more and spreading love to others since really all you need is love and what the world needs now is love sweet love we discuss all aspects of self-improvement growth and so much more great content insightful advice that's practical and helpful to anyone that listens you're always eager to come back for more and share with your friends and family since you learn something in every episode. So sit back and enjoy the easy listening while you feel seen and heard in this informative, authentic, and entertaining podcast. Now, let's roll that beautiful podcast footage. Hey, Jay, I am excited to have you here today. How are you doing? Hi, Jason. Uh, I'm doing great, uh, especially after the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah. <laughs> I know as we were talking before, you had a you had a rough couple of weeks. I know some people have, I mean, a lot of people, we've been having a rough couple of years, but it's nice. I'm glad that you're on the mend. Everything is okay now. And it's good to see your smiling face today and uh, appreciate you for, because I know you're across the pond <laughs> over in the UK. Uh, so I know it's a little bit later there for you, but I appreciate you, you coming on today um, to talk. So, so I wanted to, you know, let's just kind of set the stage a little bit because I think it's, to me, I'm always fascinated with where people go in their career, right? And I've kind of seen this in my life and where I've gone too. So so I wanted to kind of jump in to that with you because 
you know, you're the CEO of a compliance tech company, right? And I'll let you kind of introduce yourself to give, give you that. But, but then I want to jump back into the story of how you got there, because I think that's, that's amazing to me. So, so give us kind of the, you know, the, the one minute introduction on, on who you are and what you're doing today, and then we'll kind of do a rewind. Yeah, so I'm Jay. I run a compliance uh, technology company. Um, we actually started from legal. We wanted to change how lawyers work in large organizations. Um, but then throughout the last few years, what we realized um, is that lawyers are very conservative, uh, but compliance departments have been pushed more by regulators to change quicker and adopt technology. So we kind of pivoted from legal startup to compliance startup to a compliance tech company, um, which has been an interesting journey because uh, I actually started from, um, started from legal and compliance, uh, my career. Um, and the reason why I ended up in tech is because tech has been my passion. Uh, it's been my passion was when I was younger when the internet was just starting, I was, um, you know, in the, in the late nineties, I was coding, I was uh, trying to do some websites. Um, and that's where I wanted to go. Uh, but after a dot-com crash, uh, my parents kind of nudged me towards a more traditional career. They said, why don't you keep your technology fascination as a hobby? and then go and do something real. I was like, okay, well, what can I do? Uh, law sounds interesting. So I went into law um, instead, but um, always kept an eye on technology and how it was changing the world um, and ultimately combined the two. Yeah, well, and it's interesting because as you're saying that, I'm sitting here chuckling because I, I was the same way, right? I mean, we we grow up as little boys and we, we, we were fascinated with certain things. Right. And, and, um, I mean, I was the same way. I Commodore 64s, remember those, I, that was like <laughs> making the screen turn different colors and all that stuff. It was like, man, this is so cool. Right. But, but then at some point, right. Like you said, your parents were kind of like, Hey, you know, why don't you make that a hobby? Right. It's, it's kind of like the guys who start a band. You know, and they're yeah. like, uh, why don't you go get a real job? Because you're not going to make any money doing that. And so you went, you went towards the law. I became a CPA, right? Because those are, those are classic professions, right? That's going to be able to earn money so you can live, right? But, but so, so, so you started off in, in law and, um, you know, how did, how did it kind of go from there? I mean, you, you, you started in in law but but how did it kind of transform because i know and just kind of looking at your background that wasn't the only place that you stopped before you got to where you are now as a ceo of a tech company so so fill it fill in a little bit you know you get a job as, as a lawyer and what what ends up kind of happening at that point yeah so uh it was interesting my first job was um uh to work with a cfo of um, and a large energy company. Um, and uh, it was supposed to be, you know, typical after university, you go and you try to find a job. And then this was a two week job uh, for me to help him sort out his, um, all of his papers. 
um, put it all in folders, you know, nicely organized um, after an office move. So I ended up spending a lot of time working on legal documents and sorting them and, you know, going through them and actually creating a system to kind of file everything um, so he could find it. Um, and then he offered me a job in, in the legal department, um, maybe because I knew too much about the company by that point. <laughs> Couldn't let you go. <laughs> Couldn't let me go. Uh, but yeah, I joined uh, the legal department immediately. You know, I started looking at how we can streamline our work, how we can properly file and work with our contracts. Ultimately, I became the expert in negotiating these contracts with, um, these were like wholesale uh, trading contracts for gas, electricity, commodities. Ended up working a lot on um, like contracts for derivatives and virtual power plants, which was the kind of invention, which was uh, pretty cool at the time. Uh, you know, you can't store electricity as a power plant uh, you don't have big enough batteries, but on paper, you can invent a financial product which allows you to store electricity. Um, mm -hmm. So that was pretty cool. But very quickly ended up working quite a lot on the technology side, you know, implementing a system to help us in our uh, legal department. Um, you know, being a, an IT support to the, to the entire legal department as well, because I knew everything about computers and technology. So this was my early career. Um, and then I, um, I joined Morgan Stanley, um, also their kind of fixed income and commodities uh, department um, as the energy and commodities specialist. Um, so working with traders on uh, negotiating and signing these uh, trading agreements uh, to help them trade on commodities markets. Um, but again, you know, I had to scratch my itch. I found a lot of inefficiencies, how we were doing things. So I um, kind of did some research internally on what systems we were using and uh, proposed uh, to move to knowledge sharing or early signs of kind of corporate Wikipedia um, to store all of our knowledge, not just legal knowledge, but compliance knowledge as well. Because I joined the bank in 2009, uh, which was Probably the That's wrong a good year time. to join a bank, right? No. But some say yes, some say <laughs> wrong year to join a bank. The, the bonuses nosedived. Um, but to me, it was interesting because it was a global bank and global regulators were implementing rules which were similar, different, and we had to manage all of that. Um, um, so that's how, you know, I ended up working on a lot of technology projects, uh, trying to bring technology to a bank. Um, because to me, it was frustrating how we were doing things. Um, you know, to create any document uh, when you have a lot of stakeholders in its content was a nightmare. It was, you create a document, you make some changes to it, you send it to 50 people, they all come back on email with their version of that document and then trying to consolidate that and uh, get approvals and record those approvals uh, was difficult. So I started looking at how we can change that. Yeah, so I'm starting to see some themes as we're kind of going through your career. I mean, it kind of, it reminds me of, you know, it's like a lot of times we're like, how did I get here? 
right? But it's kind of like that Steve Jobs Stanford commencement speech where he's like, you'll never figure it out until you turn around and look backwards. And then all those random dots, right, in your life, then you can see where they line up. I mean, so so I'm start I'm starting to see that already, right? I mean, kind of having the tech as a passion, right? And your first job was actually moving a bunch of papers around, putting them in files, right? I mean, I still remember those days of paper files and writing on files and you know, all of that kind of stuff. And then, but but I'm but I'm hearing, you know, things about streamlining the work, about how to file them better, you know still trying to scratch your itch from a technology perspective. And, and the one that I think is, is that everybody who's listening, you're going to see a tie in on this in the future too, but kind of your frustration as somebody in that position, right. Of, you know, look how we're doing it. There's got to be a better way of doing it than this. Right. I mean, that had to be going through your mind a lot. Um, you know, during those times. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one project which actually led me to thinking about this really seriously was um, we had um, a time in a bank when there were, there, were, there were a couple of market events which we were told about, you know, are going to happen um, by typical credit rating agency will downgrade your financial institution in credit rating. So, I don't like to hear that as a bank. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to hear that as a bank, but every bank went through that in, uh, you know, between 2009 and 2012. Um, but to us, you know, I was actually negotiating documents agreements which were governing billions of dollars of trades. And what we negotiated and put in those documents affected, you know, how much money we had to pay following that credit rate and downgrade. And um, we had regulators telling us, well, give us some answers. What is going to happen after that? What do you have in your documents? How much money are you going to have to own? And are you going to go down as, you know, as Lehman did um, after that event? So, and we had over 100,000 documents to go through. And my thinking was, one, there must be a better way technology could read documents and understand them and you know actually tell you but actually what i found is that lawyers are a very creative bunch and uh, they love changing their clauses to the point where a machine cannot understand what the clause says so uh, <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> so that led me to uh, you know thinking about well actually how do we create that content uh, we need to change how we work on content on documents in 20th century, the 21st century, we shouldn't be opening a word document and creating a contract which governs billions of dollars of trades without any insight into what's been agreed as a final form of that document. So yeah, that's how really close match started. I, I, I was thinking we need to know how we're creating that content. We need to know how it was approved. We need to know what's the final version of it. And then we need to have a structured way to see that data. Uh, so machine can understand it, apply artificial intelligence and actually get some insights. So these were kind of the thoughts which were going through my mind at the time. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and now that, that makes the name of the company, right? Duh, <laughs> you know, on, on why it is. Cause I, you know, I can, I can sit there and again, I can, um, having spent a lot of time in these areas, I can totally appreciate the mountain of work. You know, you've got a hundred thousand documents to try to go through and everybody, you know, put their own little spin on it because everybody needs to have their opinion. And, you know, I remember when I was younger in my career and I was getting my CPA license, I could never understand why, you know, there were four, four tests you had to take. And one of them was just on law. And I'm thinking, I'm going to be an accountant. Why do I need all this legal training, right? Until I've spent the rest of my career reading a whole bunch of legal documents, right? <laughs> and, and yeah, I can only imagine how, how frustrating and, and hard that might be for some of the people in the legal or compliance space to have to go through and do this. And yeah, there's got to be a, a better way, right? So you've, you've got, you've got this idea. So how, how does it, how does it kind of go from there? Right. Because, because again, I mean, a lot of people out there, they, they see that things can be different. They want things to be different, but how do you actually make them different? How do you, how do you, you know, lots of people have great ideas, but not very many people actually speak up or say things or start a company right, to try to fix that. So how, how, did, how did you go from, from that standpoint? Were there challenges and things like that that you were having to deal with to, to help you get to where you are now? Yeah, it's, um, I always thought that, you know, ideas are actually, there are a lot of great ideas, but I, all ideas require execution, um, you know, and they require support, they require people being galvanized around the idea because as a person who has the idea you can't make it happen without other people involved so i was never afraid to talk about ideas i had um you know and this was one of them i went to my boss i offered it to build it internally first uh but so this was still when you were at morgan yeah okay. uh, but then you know we talked about it and uh, at the time there was no strategy for any bank in the world to move to the cloud. Um, and this required kind of cloud, uh, you know, people working in the cloud. So uh, then I talked to other people, found a lot of support. Uh, and when people tell you, oh, this is a great idea, you actually get excited about it. And then you start thinking more about it. And then uh, you kind of start making a plan in your head. and. Uh, I guess my risk tolerance is uh, pretty high, so I'm, I, I, I can take risks, uh, always knowing that somehow it will work out, uh, obviously calculated risks, but um, yeah, I found a couple of people who were willing to help, one with startup capital and another person who was willing to kind of help me build the initial version. Uh, so that's how we started really. Well, I know that's that's an important important point because you know again as people are listening, you're giving them little breadcrumbs along the way. So people gotta gotta listen and pay attention. But I'll try to I'll try to recap a little bit too, right? Where you know, like you said, when you when you come up with this great idea and you start sharing it with people, 
right? So you've got to you you got to get the idea out of your head and actually start sharing it with people, or the idea is never going to go anywhere. Because, like you said, without execution, ideas really don't go anywhere, right? But you found some other people because I think this is this is where it's important too. Anytime that that people want to change the world, anytime people want to do something different, they have to find other people who can help them, right? Because we don't all have you know, the, the skill sets to be able to do everything together. And so you found some people, people with money, that's important when you're, when you're starting up, right? You got to have people with money that can help to fund and support it. And in, in this case, you needed somebody with kind of the technical execution side of it. I mean, it sounds like you probably had some, some too, but you, you knew that you needed some help. You needed to bring in and work with and partner with other people in order to make this a reality, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think people along the way are the most important part of your journey as a, as a founder. Um, I think, you know, everyone who helps you, everyone who invests, every client, um, and every employee in a company counts and helps. Even negative experiences, uh, they really bring a lot to your experience on how to deal with negative situations. And um, I'm always grateful when I'm going through a tough period, a tough patch, because looking back, I always understand, you know, how it's helping me now. Well, and that's that's the interesting thing too. Maybe we should talk about that for just a minute because. You know, I, I think a lot of times, you know, people with ideas or wanting to do things, they think everything is going to be, you know, easy, right? Everything's just going to be easy. It's going to, it's right. But there's, there's challenges along the way, right? But, but like you said, we have those challenges for reasons and, and we learn some things through some of those challenges, right? So, I mean, if you're comfortable sharing where there, you know, some of the, some of the different challenges that you dealt with you know as, as you've gone through your journey as well and kind of what you learned from them yeah absolutely um um i i, I tell i tell the story of our challenges to our employees as well so they know what we've gone through yeah uh, but uh, obviously i don't really share it that much in public um but some some of the challenges that we met early on one was we built a product and then Two years later, um, we went through a Techstars Barclays Accelerator, which was a startup program here in London, uh, working with Barclays as a, you know, a big bank. They provided a lot of support and resources to help us get the product off the ground. And we actually realized we need to rebuild the entire tech if we want to sell to banks. Uh, and if we want to sell to legal and compliance, then we also need to make it look different because people are still attached to documents rather than data. So they need to see a document in front of them rather than, you know, uh -huh. uh, uh, data. So we sat down and I said, well, we need to build something that's, that looks like and works like Google Docs but for enterprise, for compliance, for legal. And our engineers looked at me and they said, hey, you know what head of Google Docs once said? 
if you want a person to leave Google, um, put them on Google Docs project. <laughs> That's how hard it is. <laughs> um, yeah, and I said, look, there is no other way we have to do it. And we invested early in starting to work on that type of technology. So we're one of the few kind of enterprise companies offering real-time collaboration, um, which has been great. It's been a very unique selling point for us, uh, especially in the enterprise world. Um, but at the same time, it took a long time for us to build. So, you know, another challenge, because you're building tech, which is hard to build, it takes a long time before you, you are delivering value to customers. And that means you need to continue raising money, raising money, uh, until you have that first big client. Um, and that's what I had to do. So for about two, three years, I was just raising money without you know, any revenue coming in. Um, and um, it's been tough. And then we signed, uh, we actually signed Barclays uh, as our first client. When I told everyone, we're gonna sign a big bank as our first client, everyone told me, you're crazy. You're a company of six people. You'll never sign a big bank. You'll never go through their process. And I said, no, we will. And it was quite a, quite a big change in company in, in our history when we signed that contract. Um, it was a big three-year contract. Um, actually, I have to give a lot of credit to the compliance CEO at Barclays who completely believed in our ability to deliver and I just could not not deliver. So <laughs> we, we put everything into that first client and um, you know, we signed them and then we closed the big round of funding after that, uh, which was, I guess, <clears throat> you know, the culmination of all of the struggles that we had before, trying to build a very difficult tech and then trying to raise money without any revenue. Um, but ultimately we, um, we went through the series A round. It was led by Index Ventures. Um, we closed it and then actually our PR person, um, before we closed the round, she said, where would you like this to appear, the news? And I said, hey, how about Forbes? And she laughed. And then the next morning she called me and she said, hey, I've got an interview for with Forbes. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, no way, uh, which was crazy to me. But they printed, their headline was a banker turned entrepreneur. Um, went bankrupt, almost went bankrupt five times before raising a big round, something like that. So I was like, after all these struggles, <laughs> we, we had this headline, but actually it resonated with a lot of people. Well, and there's, there's several things from what you just said there that I wanted, I want to dig in more to, because I think they're fascinating and they're, they're, th they're things for people that, that do want to change the world to realize right, is, is, you know, that, that headline from Forbes, let's just go there first. And then we, I want to come back and talk about Barclays again a little bit. But, you know, that, that headline, you know, tech, tech startup, you know, almost goes bankrupt five times, right, before closing 
rounds of funding, right? And I, I, you know, I know I worked a lot, a lot with startup companies earlier in my career as well. So I know, you know, what it's like to be a tech startup company and the, the raising money and how hard it is. And I'm sure there were probably nights, you know, that you were like, man, I've got this dream, but we've only got, you know, a burn rate, right? We've only got seven more days of cash or whatever it is. And it's like, you know, I remember talking to one CEO of a tech company and he's like, we had the product, man. We just only had 30 days of burn rate and we couldn't, we couldn't get it done within the 30 days. Nobody would give us any more money, right? That I'm sure there were probably some of those times where you were like, ah, right? I mean, you feel like one step forward, two steps back. I mean, how do you keep fighting and pushing through when it feels like you're, you're just getting slapped back, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's a tough one. Um, the, I think one thing which really helped me is uh, at some point I decided that, not that failure is not an option, but it's not an option for us to stop existing as a company because the product is great. Uh, you know, the need is there. Uh, we just need to get it into enough people's hands. Um, and unfortunately, our early customers were very large financial institutions and it's very hard to sell to them. So, yeah, uh, but to me, it was never an option. So because of that mindset, it's not an option because we have a product. Um, I think somehow my mind, my brain adapted to, okay, we need to raise money. And I found way, always found ways to raise money even in, in the last minute literally the day when the payroll the last payroll comes in the investment comes in um so the, this was our early life of a, of a company uh, sometimes but um i think because of that it's actually funny but uh, my investors now say hey i don't know how you do it but you've got this incredible ability to raise money no matter what happens on the market um and um that stuck with me and you know i have this mindset that well i just have to do it and find find a way and you well, always you always get someone on 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 your journey on your path who's going to help out of nowhere somehow well and that's and that's where i mean it sounds like obviously you have been very resourceful uh in in being able to do it and man i feel you you know it's like i'm an entrepreneur too right and it's like it's like some weeks it's like how am i going to make payroll you know I, i'm past that now but you know i mean early on that's kind of what you're what you're feeling like you know and it's like and you're paying your employees and not paying yourself and just trying to come up with or think about whatever whatever you can just to 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 make it work because you've got this vision you know it's going to be and, and you just keep pushing forward right and, and it sounds like too you've got some good manifestation you know thoughts and feelings going on too you know because it's like you know telling your PR person I want to be in Forbes the next day I got an interview for Forbes it's like all right <laughs> you know it's like nope we're gonna get it we're gonna get a big big bank as a customer and sure enough here comes the big bank right and and I know like you said I mean working with big banks it it sometimes takes years for them to do anything. 
I mean, even just the purchasing process can be, you know, 60, 90, 180 days. Yep, yep, I want to buy what you have. And it still takes them that long to actually do it. But I, but I think it, I, I want to go back to this a little bit, because like you said, there's always somebody that kind of shows up when you need them. And I know you made reference to the, you know, that executive there at Barclays, but I want to tie into something that you said even earlier on, that it's about the people for you. And, and I think, so, so, so let's go there a little bit, because I think so much of the time, you know, especially, um, you know, driven performance kind of people, we tend to be very task oriented and sometimes run over people or don't have regard for their feelings. We don't worry about relationships with them. They're just a transaction to us to help us get to where we want to go. And I know you're not that kind of guy, right? Because I know some of your employees too, right? <laughs> and how they talk about you, they might tell you your face, but they love you, man. And, and it's, and it's but, but I wanted to go there because, you know, each time, you know, what, what have you been doing or how do you do that with people? Because like you said, somebody comes forward right when you need it, but it's not just a stranger completely out of the blue. I'm guessing it's somebody that you've had some interaction with over the time. Yeah, I think, um, I was trying to think what, uh, you know, what makes people actually like you or not like you, but um, be open with you. And um, to me, it's all about gratitude. Um, it's always being grateful for people in your life, um, even if you have negative experiences. Um, it's always being grateful. And it's not even letting them know, but actually feeling that, gratitude towards people who were on your way. I'm sure, you know, 90% of people don't even know that I'm grateful to them for something. Uh, but I always feel that gratitude towards uh, people who've, whom I've met and people who helped me. And I think it transpires ultimately through interactions, right? You don't need to tell them you're grateful, but they, 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 they can feel it. Well, they do, they do feel it. Right. And I, and I think that, again, it's that, you know, gratitude is one of those ways of being that so many of us don't spend enough time doing. Right. But again, I mean, when, when you're grateful for somebody, when you're grateful for something, uh, it, it knows it, it feels it. And it, and it wants to return that to you. Right. There's the whole idea of reciprocity. And, and what, what people, they usually get it backwards. Sounds like you, you're doing it the right way, which is typically you have to give before you get, right? So you're, you're helping, you're giving gratitude, you're expressing that, you're feeling that for these other people. And eventually that comes back to you, right? Because again, as you said, you, know, you went through the Barclays Incubator wasn't a surprise to me when you said Barclays was your first client, right? Because I'm sure that you felt gratitude for being able to be in that incubator 
with Barclays for the help that they had given to you for your desire to make it work, right? Because I heard you say something like, it just has to work because of the people that have been helping or, you know, along the way, I have to do it for them. And, and eventually that comes back to you, right? Barclays came in that, I'm, I'm sure that relationship that you had with some of those people there, they're like, that Jay is a cool guy. I like him. I like what he's doing. I feel good around him, right? Because it's not necessarily what you're saying, but it's how you're making people feel. Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So it, it's like I said, I mean, just, just amazing now. So we talked a little bit about it from there too, but I, I want to kind of go another place too, because I think, you know, I can, I can tell that you have this, like you said, gratitude, but kind of caring for people as well. And, and, and you mentioned before employees, customers, you know, the people actually using your tool, you know, other things like that, because I think so much of the time, especially out in the world, people see, we'll just say people that, that run companies or rich and famous, and they're just doing it for the money, right? That, that a lot of times people see or think, oh, you know, he started a business because he wants to become a millionaire, right? And so a lot of times people think it's just about the money. But I never heard you talk about money other than having to raise money as we've been going through this. So, so what is, I, I mean, I know what it is for me and what I've seen from other entrepreneurs and people that start businesses, but I want to kind of hear from you what's kind of the, the bigger reason why you're doing this and, and what you're trying to really have as an impact in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I would not be saying that, you know, I'm not doing it also to some degree for money as well, because I think we all want financial independence. Uh, we want, you know, to be successful and to have, not to have to worry uh, at least most of the time about money, right? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. I think, uh, but I treat it more, you know, I, but I can get money by working in a bank. I can get money, I can earn money uh, at a regular job. This is obviously bigger than money for me is because um, I do feel that what we're building is going to make a difference and is making a difference, not just to people who are using our platform, but also to me, you know, we gravitated more towards compliance and helping compliance departments. But to me, compliance is a field which is, you know, can be looked at, okay, there are the, this annoying department which is trying to tell us the rules that we can't do something and, you know, we, it's slowing down the business. But actually thinking about it at a bigger perspective and bigger picture, you know, bad things wouldn't have happened if we were uh, thinking more seriously about compliance. And I'm not saying compliance, you know, as a, this is the rule you absolutely have to follow it. It's more around, well, if we had this testing procedure for, you know, these 
phone batteries and every person who is testing these batteries is following the procedure, then maybe we would have less, um, you know, less incidents with uh, batteries catching fire. Um, but that's what I'm trying to get to, you know, when a financial product has been released to the, to the market, if we were paying a little bit more consideration around the impact and, you know, the, how it impacts our end customers as a bank, then perhaps we wouldn't have mortgage-backed, uh, you know, securities which are subprime and we wouldn't have the financial crisis. What I mean is that compliance is around people understanding, you know, certain rules and what they're supposed to do in order to make products safer for users in this world. Um, and unfortunately, it's not because people don't want to make products safer. It's purely because it's very difficult to bring that compliance information to your employees and for them to know where to find it and to understand that what they're doing is actually the right thing and you know it will lead to safer products. So our mission is to make it so that people work in organizations in a safer way and bring safer products to the market to which everyone will benefit. Well, and that's, um, it's interesting that you went there because I, I think it's, you know, so much of the time, especially people who work in big organizations, you know, that, that a lot of times we kind of forget we're like a, a big watch or a big piece of machinery with, with a whole bunch of little spokes and gears and other little stuff that's going on. Right. And, and as long as everything is working, right, everything's kind of going along, plodding along, but when something goes wrong anywhere in that machine, there can be some serious trouble, right? I mean, like you, you brought up the, the point about, uh, you know, cell phone batteries, right? And, and I mean, yeah, there's been a whole bunch of new regulations and other stuff, you know, about what you can take on airplanes and other things like that now, because there was kind of a compliance or quality, you know, uh, fall down, if you will, you know, at a particular company, right? That their that they're, they're batteries for, well, we kind of figured out it was a design reason, I think was the main thing, but that, that was causing these batteries to overheat and then to catch on fire. And, and so the problem is, you know, and it's, it's, it's trying to help people realize that the little piece that you do over here helps the whole thing. Yep. And if you don't, you know, if you don't do your little piece over here, then the whole thing can go down, right? Or, or like you said, I mean, especially, you know, post 2008 with a lot of the, you know, the, the financial products and other stuff like that that are out there. I mean, it put the world in a recession, right? And a lot of people lost a lot of money. A lot of people lost jobs. A lot of people lost their homes, that's the bigger kind of picture thing that I think you're, you're talking about there, right? Is that by the work that you and your company are doing, you're able to help hopefully avoid or have fewer of those kind of things happen in the future. So there's less of that pain and less of, you know, people losing money and other stuff like that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's the hope. Um, and that's, you know, that's the mission. Um, and we're well on our way. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. I think moving from reactive compliance to, you know, more proactive compliance is where kind of we're going as the world. Um, and also, I think companies um, are changing very quickly now. Um, we're looking at, we're, you know, we're seeing the ESG, environmental, social, and uh, governance regulation. But actually, I think to some respects, um, it, ESG will help uh, companies to hire better quality people because actually people care about where they work and they care about environment and they want to work at ethical companies. Um, so I think ultimately we're going towards uh, the world where more and more companies will be more aware of how they operate and you know the impact that they're making in this world because that's what people who work for them are asking for or are demanding. Yeah, because the people that are working for them, and also I think that you know the public now in in general more is is kind of looking to that. You know, people want to do business with certain kinds of companies that they agree with and maybe have their same values and other stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and, and so it is. It's 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 becoming a, a bigger and 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 bigger deal that way. And so yeah, I mean, kind of what you're doing is just trying to help you know, the overall economy, the overall world as well. But let's talk about, because I think there's some other groups of people too, right? Because there's the people who are using your product, right? And and I mean, I know I've worked with a lot of people in audit risk management compliance over the years, and it's a tough job and they're overworked. And there's a lot of, of um, manual work that they're still doing. There's a lot of, uh, you know, stuff from a technology perspective that's just hard for them to do. And so, you know, again, I, I heard that as you were kind of talking about and coming up with what the idea was going to be is, you know, you're also helping them, right? Because anything you can do, I'm guessing, to make somebody's life at work a little less stressful, <laughs> a little easier also translates into those other people's personal lives as well. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I love this story by one of our users. Um, and it was a credit officer in one of the banks. And um, he owns a global credit policy. Um, you know, it sets the rules of how credit department um, operates and um, how they you know, what their risk tolerances are when given credit to different, uh, you know, different organizations and people. So every change to that document, to that policy involves 150 people uh, having to provide input, comments, you know, changes, and then ultimately approvals. So it used to take him six months to update, you know, a simple paragraph in that document because because of all of that input so that's how complex it can get um so you know he came straight back to us and said hey my life is just 
thousand times easier now because I can do this in real time and everyone is looking at the same version and I can see and check, you know, who changed every single paragraph in this document and, you know, what their comments were and ultimately record approvals. So, you know, it sounds simple, but actually in a large organization to organize that type of workflow is very, is very difficult, very it's complex. Um, yeah, so that was a pretty simple example of how it changes uh, people who are actually doing the work, uh, yeah. and, you know, changes their work. Well, and I think too, it's, it's you know, um, you know, the other group is kind of your employees, right? Because we were talking a little, you know, you mentioned ESG and having, having companies that are, are doing something that's different that are trying to change the world are the kind of places that a lot of people really want to work as well. And so, you know, I know that I, I, you know, again, with a lot of the executives, business owners, and other people that I've worked with over, over the years, you know, like, like you mentioned, and again, we'll be honest, right? I mean, you don't start a business to lose money. I mean, you want to make some money, you need to be financially secure and that's and, and you are hoping for and, and looking for that but so much of what I have seen too is the desire and and the bigger goal too of being able to have a place that is safe and can provide for your employees Absolutely. right and and it's like you know I see this a lot of times too when you've got <clears throat> you've got people that have grown their business and maybe they're looking for a liquidation event and some of them won't do it because they're like, I know what this other company is going to do. They're going to come in, they're going to rape, rob and pillage my company. They're going to treat my employees who I love like garbage, you know, just to try to save a buck and make a little bit more money that a lot of times it kind of becomes almost like this stewardship for your employees as well right having a having a place where they enjoy coming to work where they get pay, paid a fair wage where they're actually listened to and appreciated and i'm going to use a word that you used i'm sure you feel pretty grateful for your employees because we've used that word several times right absolutely absolutely and and that you know I'm guessing that gives you some satisfaction as well, right? There's a lot of intangibles that you get besides the money. And is that one of them? It's absolutely one of them. And, um, you know, my, my probably early proud moment um, was when we had employees, you know, working for close match for our company, getting, you know, mortgages and buying flats and uh, being able to start their, you know, the, uh, what it's called, the um, house ownership ladder um, with our company. You know, to me, it was the impact of us employing our people is that they're able to Know, grow in their life and their personal life and uh we're enabling that and helping that so to me it was 
the fact that I've created something that helps people who work for us, work with us um, in their personal life, um, that was a great moment for me, just realizing that we're enabling that. Well, that's why I like you, man, because you got like the whole the whole package going on, you know, with with understanding, you know, and being responsible with, you know, what you're doing, the people that you're that you're helping, how you're helping the world, you know, how you're able to to impact people's lives positively, even down to your employees. Right. Because I know one of the reasons why ESG has come up is because so many companies just treat their employees like garbage. They, they don't pay them a fair wage. They don't listen to them. They overwork them. And, and a lot of that, you know, stress, the authoritarian, uh, you know, effectively a lot, of, a lot of people in corporations act kind of like bullies to get their employees to do stuff. And the problem is, I mean, I used to get bullied on the playground right? As a little kid. And so I know, I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like in the corporate world too. And it's, it's hard. We always like to think that, that work and our personal life are separate, completely separate, but it's not right. I mean, if you're getting bullied at work, if you're not feeling appreciated at work, it, it, it flows over into you, into the rest of your life, Right. And it affects the other relationships. But on the flip side, when you've got, you know, business owners and companies like you that are grateful for their employees, right? They're, they're, they're rooting for them. They're, they're helping them in their personal life to be able to buy a, a flat or get a home and, you know, do stuff so that the work that they're doing is able to provide financially, but also having a better work environment relates to a better personal environment too. So I'm grateful for you for doing that for, for your employees and for helping, um, you know, all the people in, like you said, some of these spaces like compliance, a lot of people don't really appreciate them, you know, think don't really understand how they, they really do help and make all of us safe. Um, you know, safer way, safer products, you know, was one of the things that I heard you say there. So <sighs> this is great. I just love talking stuff like this. So thank you. Well, is, is there, is there anything else you'd like to like to share here too, you know, before we, before we wrap up and let everybody get back to their day, but. No, I just wanted to say this was great. Um, I probably haven't shared some of the, uh, you know, things i've shared today before so this was really great to actually for me even just remembering and talking about it um and remembering how many great moments we went through as a you know as a company in our early life and uh, how much we've gone through and how much we've achieved so personally for me this was great and uh, you know thank you jason for having me well, you're welcome. Thank, thank you. And I, I know it's, um, you know, because that reminds me too, because, you know, just, just what you said right there, I have to remind myself of that too, right? Is a lot of times, especially as, as you know, performance-driven people that, you know, we, we're trying to do stuff, we don't, we don't probably spend enough time just kind of stopping and turning around and 
looking back and and remembering and being grateful for all of the things that got us to that point the good and the bad right that you that you bring up because a lot of times we only want to focus on those good things or only remember those good things but a lot of those challenges that we had right make us who we are today you know if i could go back and rewind and do some things different in my life yeah, I might be tempted to want to do that, right? But if I were to change some of those challenging times, I wouldn't be the same person I am today because I had to go through those things in order to be who I am today, right? And and so thanks for for bringing that up too. I need to spend yeah, a few minutes doing that. that today too. And I think it also, it, it also drives performance. Um, you know, performance is not all about setting goals and being ruthless in, you know, working people much harder to execute them. Because I think when people work in a company where you've got great culture, people generally are higher performer, uh, performers uh, because they want to give back to the company. And, uh, you know, that's what I found is, uh, of course, we have goals and, you know, key result objectives and key results and, uh, you know, we track them, but uh, it's not uh, to a point where uh, we're being ruthless with them. It's more around, you know, performance by empowering people to achieve those objectives. Yep. Another thing that's near and dear to my heart, right, is you don't have to be ruthless to be successful and have performance, right? Or one of the things that I say sometimes, you don't have to be an asshole to be a good leader, right? Because again, that sometimes people just think that that's, that's how they have to be in order to be successful. And so another reason why I loved having you on here today, Jake, is you've, you're proof that you don't have to be that way and you can still be successful, right? And so just love the energy that you brought and, and what you're doing. I love, I love your company and what you guys are doing to, to help people as well. So it was a great honor for me to actually be able to talk to you today. So thank you uh, for that as well. Thanks, Jason. Thank you. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. The fact that you listened to this entire episode means you got value and others will too. Do me a favor and leave a five-star review with comments and then share with others. You can also check out all of my videos on my YouTube channel and my website, jasonmefford.com. This podcast is primarily for education and commentary and does not represent professional advice. Views and opinions expressed on this show are that of the individuals and not of their respective organizations.